Good afternoon. Welcome to Kitchen Radio. Uh, Kitchen Radio is uh, goes out every week on Friday at 5pm. It's a show all about food here in Alice Springs and beyond. Uh, that track was Everything by Bread. Uh, that was uh, like a 1972 track and I remembered it but I don't know if my guest today m- would know this track so uh, no, what do you a, reckon Johnny? A, a bit before my time <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I was young, I was young but still. <laughs> so um, uh, welcome Johnny Radden. Hello. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for um, inviting me. <laughs> Johnny's a regular presenter here on C with a show called Arts and Alice which was really great this week when you um, were talking to one of the filmmakers from the one of the films yeah, weekend. Sharon Whippy, yeah, from yeah, by. Yeah, such a lovely yeah. film. Yeah. I just want to go to the South Pacific. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a very wholesome um, depiction, I think, of those, you know, that spectrum of ways of life in those South yeah, Pacific it Islands. Was it was so really beautiful, beautiful yeah. 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 Um, but Johnny's here to talk. Johnny's also an artist and... <laughs> Um, and you might know him from The Goods. Sorry, Johnny, I just thought I might mention that in case listeners <laughs> go into The Goods. Um, but we're talking about art and we're talking about bread today. So art as mm. bread and bread as art. But, Johnny, before we, I mean, we're going to launch into lots of things about bread. What do you love about bread? Um, I mean, first and foremost, uh, the, the, the taste, <laughs> really. I mean, there's, the, it's, it's kind of incomparable to um any other food stuff in in my opinion because it's simultaneously you know nourishing and and delicious but also incredibly evocative um particularly of um fresh made bread um you know out the oven yeah just let it cool enough to handle and then start cutting into it with some butter and i mean it's kind of all you need really um (laughs) And I, and I, I, in all the time that I've used it within an artistic practice, I've uh, and made it just at home. I've never met anyone who doesn't like that smell and doesn't. Yeah, it's a. It's similar to maybe say cooking onions or something where everyone just. Yeah, it's vegan. It's warm, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and and immediately just evokes kind of homeliness, domesticity, and coziness, and you know, being from the UK with our. um, Somewhat unreliable weather. weather. <laughs> <laughs> like coziness is a big factor in my uh, in my kind of lifestyle aspirations. I think. The thing I love about bread is that it takes quite a while to make. I mm. love things that aren't really quick, mm. you know. And if you're making sourdough, or I've actually yeah. got my sourdough here, I'm having yeah. to start days, you know, in advance because my sourdough is really sort of uh, hasn't been looked after for a long time. So yeah. I love that idea that it's not just something that you can cook up really quickly, but you actually have to plan it and put it with sourdough and sort of spend some time thinking about the weather and all sorts of things before in order to you know really have a successful bread loaf absolutely it's yeah. it's an investment um in any in any sense and, and and another um part of it is this i guess sense of like gambling or it's a bit of a you take a risk every time you put a loaf in the oven and you never know quite what oh. it's going to turn out and every loaf is like a little surprise a little yes. victory it's a little different as well yeah, yeah yeah and it's yeah and and it's true you can even though how much you know you can make a lot of bread you never i mean maybe maybe professional sort of you know bread makers know exactly what they're doing but i even even if i do it a lot there's always an element that's outside your control yeah i mean i think you're right there's there, there would always be um a a degree of consistency that is um you know striven for in the professional realm Mm. but yeah if you're just making one or two loaves at a time particularly with sourdough with the fact that it is a live culture that you're then using um it's yeah it's it's always this kind of like oh is it gonna work is it not and there's just the (laughs) magic see i think about some magic in food and then of course you get the industrialized process the is it the chorley wood process which i think is 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 is, it's the it's the process of bread making that it like you know most modern bread supermarket bread goes under and it's a it's a process of very quick production you know from milling the flour to rising you know to to leavening the 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 dough to baking i think is a is a couple of hours um because of the way that and and super like a mass production yeah yeah. and 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 it's all about um stripping away some of the uh a a lot of the nutrients in order to kind of stabilize the flour and then reintroducing them so that they they actually can the bread actually contains the nutritional content that the flour originally had but it's it's all about 
stabilizing it so that it stabilizing it so it, it's then consistent but a lot of modern you know modern problems relating to um sensitivity to wheat i think is attributed to this very highly processed yeah. um sort of well, process that go, that the bread goes through yeah. in order for it to be consistent over and over again and then a, a achieve this mass production and, and consistency, I suppose, and consistency, as well. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, it is crazy to think that they've got to go back and put all those nutrients into something which, you know, we all love because, um, you know, essentially it's it's nutrition. Mm. You know, it's the essence of nutrition, bread. But, you know, bread is a really special part of our culture. And I found, I did a bit of research and, you know, even to how far it dates back, that seems to change <coughs> quite a lot. Like something I read said it was like uh, 12,000, 12,500 BC and then I read somewhere else that it was... 8,000 BC, but I think it's generally understood. Oh, we've got a history, you'll find out, a history of bread book that Johnny's brought in. I yeah. brought in the handmade loaf. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... But I think it's generally agreed that it can't, it came out of the Middle East, that wheat did. Yeah, I think, I think... I think the the, the, the the nearest kind of understanding of bread that we know in a contemporary context came from uh, the Middle East and mm. the propagation of wheat from the Middle East, but I think loaves and the fermentation of grains has happened in in many cultures yep. kind of separately from from one another around the world mm. for thousands and thousands of years not least indigenous culture where you know wattle seed and other yeah. other types of um native grains were were used to make make loaves and damper the you know mm. original original australian bread yeah yeah have you ever tried wattle seed bread no i haven't no i i it's one of the, it's one of those things that i um I definitely should have and as a yeah. you know someone who who has a fascination with it I probably should have yeah. um but I think it's it's one of those things that I really want to take the time to source everything properly yeah. and, and 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 also I guess there would be a degree of of kind of artistic exploration mm. with it um rather than just kind of making it in my ki kitchen yeah. for, for the sake of eating it at home and so I you know there's a particular kind of time a, a sense of setting aside the right amount of time to invest in that and observe mm. what it is and, and stuff yeah. yeah and be able to get enough wattle seeds well yeah. yeah yeah there's actually um a video on ictv because of course i also work for ictv <laughs> but there's um it's one from patcha in western australia and it's actually a woman with a traditional grinding stone and she actually right. talks about the grinding of, of wattle seed to make bread with so yeah yeah it is in all cultures and it's also in in religion as yeah. well like you see it turning up particularly like in the uh in the old testament mm -hmm. where you've got manna falling from heaven and then the new testament there's the loaves and the fishes yeah and there's like the eucharist so it has so much symbolism yeah. within a religious context as well you know it's so, it's synonymous with the flesh really yeah. in the in the eucharist so it, it symbolizes so much within not just our culture but as you say in many other cultures yeah absolutely i i'm, I'm not entirely across this but i know like bits and bobs here and there um you know you've got challah which is the you know the the, the traditional bread of the shabbat mm -hmm. um dinner and matzo crackers which i guess are kind of they're like a bread I yeah think. If you look yeah at them, they're a hard cracker type bread. Yeah, yeah yeah and i i'm, I'm not i'm not 100 percent on the kind of lineage of those traditions so i you know i couldn't really yeah. talk about them too much but uh, you know i've i've had uh challah made for me by a, a jewish friend of mine and and it's delicious so yeah. i can see why they want to carry on that tradition purely from that perspective <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a bit like a brioche like it's got that light yeah, sweetness wow. yeah yeah it's beautiful because it is interesting to think what um what defines bread like what what because you can't say like if um it's a loaf shape because then you've got all those beautiful flatbreads and mm. not just in europe but in africa there's that beautiful flatbread in jira in jira in jira yeah. it's, a, it's like an ethiopian yeah isn't it like kind of like Somalian, a pancake kind yeah. of like a dosa sort but of but it thing, is yeah. fermented right yeah as yeah. Well. yeah yeah it's got that and sour. Dosa, yeah, yeah. yeah um so it is hard to say, yeah. like, it, it, it can't be something that's loaf-shaped and then you go, oh, well, maybe it's something that has a fermentation element yeah. to it, but there's some breads that are unleavened. Yeah. So then you, you've got to say, well, well, it's not that. So I've been thinking at, about this a bit and I, I thought, well, maybe it needs to be baked. Right, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I, I, I don't know any raw breads no. or breads that have just been dried out. Yeah, not, but even not, if they're not, yeah, dried not, out. Not ones that have been dried out just by air drying, say. They've yeah. been dried out by double baking or, yeah. or some, you know, baking 
um, I mean, the word biscuit comes from twice cooked, like biscuit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, that, w- that would have been, that. Where, where, yeah, it would have been yeah. a bread or, or would have been a cake that's been twice cooked yeah. so that you actually change the quality of it in order to like extend its um, yeah. life, so to speak, or, yeah. you know, usability. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so for me, I was thinking about this question. It's, it's almost like bread is about how it's used in terms of a, a major yeah. staple in a diet. Yeah. What yeah. Do you think? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's you've you've opened up a bit of a can of worms there because I think yeah. it's, you know, I, I definitely know things that aren't bread, but yeah. like defining strictly what, what I mean, I, I I guess you know, really asking us why we need to define it is, yeah, it's, is, well, is important. If but we're like talking about something, it's yeah, like, well, is it this or yeah. is it that? But it's like, yeah, yeah, it, they just define the you know to define the I, rules. I, I guess it, I guess it needs yeah. to be. A grain, yeah, you know, a grain yes. of some of some description. Like it can, although you do. You I'd, what about my you change your life bread, which doesn't have any. What's change your life bread? Um, so Jane Ine Stanton gave me this recipe, right? For, uh, and it's uh, it's cooked, but it's a mixture of psyllium husks and linseed and uh, and nuts and yeah. uh, fruit um, with some water, and then you let it sit for like two hours, and then you bake it. So it's yeah. actually got no grain in it. But I eat it like bread. So I slice it up and yeah. I toast it and I would put toppings on it like bread. But yeah, I mean, I'd call that a loaf, <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily call it bread, I um, suppose, because you have like banana bread, which is basically a cake. Yeah. And and you wouldn't, you, you know, it's not leavened with yeast or anything. So I wouldn't. But then you have but soda then you have bread. Da- soda bread and damper, you've got damper yeah, as well, yeah. which which really function as breads because they're not just about sweetening. They're actually providing significant yeah. nutritional content. Is bread usually savory or do you get sweet breads? Oh, you get fruit breads. And That's pumpkin true. bread, yeah. Pumpkin, mm. yeah. And what about the crystal bread? The crystal bread, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just a way of like giving it a familiar, using using a familiar term to frame something quite strange. I know. Um. <laughs> Listeners, you should go online and do a search for crystal bread. It's yeah. this weird transparent little loaf. I yeah. asked Johnny to have a look at it. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a video quite readily available on YouTube and and I think it was something con- concocted or conceived by... Um, Either a chef at or a former chef of El Bulli yeah. in, uh, in, in Bilbao. Is that where El Bulli was? Uh, or Madrid? Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in Spain. In, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's essentially water with kuzu root powder and potato starch. And you, you mix it up and you boil it for a certain amount of time. And then you cook it in the oven at two different temperatures. And it makes these small loaf-shaped items which are just <laughs> see-through they're transparent they're transparent and i i wonder what their taste would be because none of those (laughs) things suggest that they would impart a particularly distinct or strong flavor but then the recipe that they show is then topped with some other things and it looks quite quite impressive which i think you know bread is often used as a conduit for other flavors and other things Mm. you know a little bit like pasta and stuff you know you wouldn't Often just eat it on its own. No, you would no, eat it's true. maybe yeah. with butter, unless, you know, unless yeah. you were in a particular situation where you didn't have much else. Yeah, yeah. Just so. a bit to think about there. Did you see? Uh, just talking about films, even though we've talked about other things, I just want to come back to the film festival. Did you see that film called Bellbird? I didn't. No, I managed to see two films okay. on the weekend, and and one of them, the other one was um, God Exists, and her name is Petronia. <laughs> And it was very good. (laughs) (laughs) Bellbird was after that. Right. um, So Bellbird's a film about a father and a son and the mother's um, passed away. But um, there are quite a few scenes of them in the kitchen. And in Mm. the kitchen, the father's always eating white sliced bread. Right. And it just kind of, I just kept looking at that thinking, does anybody really eat white sliced bread? They do. Obviously. They, they do. do. I know someone who eats it, you know, yeah. more than they would eat any other type of bread. Yeah. And actually, you know, um, as much as I'm a massive fan of uh, and, and a much far bigger fan of sourdoughs and slow pros- mm-hmm. pr- processed bread, sometimes when you're just feeling a bit sorry for yourself and you just want some, something comforting, <laughs> just like white bread toast with 
raspberry jam on or strawberry yeah. jam or something is just all you can eat. <laughs> it's really yeah, I, ca- nice. I can't ever go to the white sliced bread. For yeah. me, it's a slice. I might do a sliced bread. I might go and get a Helga's loaf of sliced bread yeah, and right. make a toasty out of it. Yeah. But to do both white and sliced yeah. for me, I, I just... I, I actually haven't. Yeah. It's more... It would be more incidental. I probably wouldn't go and buy one of those loaves. Yeah. But if there was one there, I'd be like, the cheeky little bit of white bread. Yeah. Bit of cheese. <laughs> Just yeah, make. I, I mean, I think it's just, it's one of those things which you know has had a really interesting transition through history because yeah. you know white flour was once upon a time regarded as the really refined um, mm. flour to be eating, and then I think it goes hand in hand with the advent of the Chollywood bread bread making process, yeah. which you know that sort of flour became much more readily available and accessible, and now it's become this much lower regarded flour to yeah. to, to be using in in bread, um, and you know cheap mass-produced industrialized anything that's done in that way i think it makes those things accessible to you know people who may maybe it may have a lower income and and yeah. you know then there's this there's a whole class system based around bread in that there respect is. you know yeah. and it's and that's actually a fairly recent thing in terms of you know this artisanal bread phenomenon that's kind of emerged in the last 15 20 years where you know people are paying like 20 bucks for a loaf of sourdough or whatever yeah. and it's like yeah there's a yeah. bit of pomposity around that there as is. well <laughs> well yeah. I, mean, I was just remembering when i was a child my mother would insist on you know making all our bread out of wholemeal mm. flour so this is like the 70s and i used to just hate it as a kid and i, oh, yeah. I did look at those kids who had white bread yeah. i just wanted white bread and tuna yeah. on my you know in my lunch and um yeah she thought she was doing the right thing so yeah. that was before it became popular whereas now yeah it is absolutely popular yeah um, bread and and it's become you know white bread has become a bit synonymous with kind of you know um a little Small bit like L. vanilla it's like oh it's a bit vanilla it's a bit white bread you know it's yeah. kind of a bit common i don't know it's a bit it's pretty loaded i don't know i i i, I find it problematic but i can also understand that maybe we're in a position where um you know as consumers and as a as a as a as a uh, there being like an industry around wheat um that we probably should be a bit we could be a lot more considerate about the way that we are producing flour um you know especially as it's often in you know a monocultural a monocultural Mm. crop um and so much goes into the sustaining it as a crop that's you know problematic pesticides and you know fertilizers and all of these things which can be huge pollutants to the environment you know Mm. there's ways there's ways that we could be doing it better um but i think it would incur a massive cultural shift both as a consumer and as a producer uh, if we had to grow our own grain yeah or if we had to grow knowing that um you know the crops might not yield such reliable grains and but they would be better for you there would be a higher quality grain yeah. you know it's the, it's the same thing with organic produce you know the the, the reason part of the reason why it costs more is because there's a gen, generally a, mm. a lower yield and lower consistency but a higher quality um, in many respects and you you know you risk losing part of your crop to the things that the the pesticides ordinarily would protect but i think there's also ways through that which are to do with you know complementary growing of other plants around around the crops and there's you know cultures the world over that would be capable of doing that yeah Um, yeah. And there was that other film. Oh, no, I keep coming back. But the, is it The Biggest Little Farm or The Little uh, Big Farm? Yeah, yeah, The Biggest Little biggest Farm. Biggest Little Farm. And yeah. that's what they were talking about, which right. was about, you know, handing over really a certain amount of their produce to, to the bugs and the pests right. because they were committed to not using pesticides. Sure. And that process was really interesting. Yeah. It took them so long to get to a point where they reached a balance. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It would be. And I think anyone who caught um, that film 2040 that was on last year, mm-hmm. um, there was a section in there about it was to do with farming practices in Australia and going back to more traditional crop rotation methods and um, planting multiple complementary crops in the same field that would provide one another with the appropriate nutrients and pest protection and all of those mm. things. It's a, yeah, it's um, there, there are ways through yeah. it, I think. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not a, a completely yeah. across it and I, you know, I wouldn't be able to provide any clear answers. Um, and I certainly think there isn't one clear answer, but there's so much tied into industrial crops of, of many sorts, but not least flour, you know, yeah. as, as such a staple, you know, so many mechanisms that rely on it 
that um, you know it would be very hard. Uh, it would take a very long time to change the culture yeah. of it as well. I because think. it is a really big part of our diets mm. here in Australia and in, in mm. the West. You know, it's not just bread, but it's also pasta mm-hmm. as well and cakes and so many things. Mm. Really do rely on on wheat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a theory that the the Roman army was, you know, it's, the Roman Empire was able to be so successful because they um, they um, cultivated northern Africa. They put a whole lot of wheat farms right. in, in in northern Africa, and that was actually where the first mass cultivation of wheat was. Yeah, well, that um, would and they're able to sustain a, an army. Imagine all those Roman soldiers eating yeah, bread and pasta, bread. <laughs> fresh bread every day. I'd join the army for that. No, just exactly. kidding. I'd just never join the army. <laughs> <laughs> I love bread so much, but I really try not to eat it as much as I would like to yeah. just because I just feel um, for me it's my body treats it almost like sugar right um, and I, w- I would eat it all the time well I mean there's I huge could. carbohydrates yeah. in there but yeah. I I think I think one of the things with um, slower made bread you know long fermented mm-hmm. sourdough is that those those sugars and those complex carbohydrates are um, or at least the less complex carbohydrates actually are used by the yeast to feed themselves. And mm. so then what you're left with is is actually carbohydrate that your body has to work far harder to break oh, down. Oh, really? Yeah, which I think is better for your body. Okay, and the, and, and yeah. glu- gluten protein as well. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and with grains like more more ancient grains older mm. grains like spelt, um, spelt and, and einkorn yep. and and these these many different types of uh wheat um or types of yeah like types of wheat um mm. that get used or would have been formerly used they they um i found i've definitely got anecdotal evidence of friends who who have had a sensitivity to you know mass produced wheat but then have eaten sourdough made from these other grains and actually mm. been able to process okay. them a lot, a, more, a lot more readily not experience the same kind of after effects of bloating and yeah. problems with skin and stuff like that you know Ooh. yeah but um, Johnny, you do love bread, though, don't you? And flour. Because, yeah. Um, can you talk to me about your arts practice with bread? Yeah. Um, so uh, a few years ago, I was doing my master's degree in the UK at Plymouth University, and I started to get into um, <clears throat> a project around uh, the performance of autobiography. So the performance of kind of inherited knowledge mm-hmm. um, rather than the sort of family or individual's narrative. Um, and so looking at performing actions and, and uh, creating things which display knowledge and inherited knowledge and knowledge passed down. And so I, the, the, one of the things I landed upon was cooking. And I, I've always done a lot of cooking. My mum taught us to cook from a very early age, I remember cooking a, f- a meal for my family at least when I was about eight years old um and and then as we kind of grew up there was a night a week that each of me and my two bro- two older brothers had to cook for for the family and and from that I kind of begun to hone I began to hone it down really into into bread and it wasn't that we had a particularly kind of bread heavy childhood mm-hmm. in that sense but there was it was the most kind of evocative and nostalgic food um and and also you know there's there's this whole kind of breadth of of connotations around it as well which i wasn't um intentionally exploiting but i mm-hmm. but i was definitely aware D- of do you mean ritual around yeah it? the ritual the ritual around making it yep. just the, you know the process of making it alone is a ritual um particularly when you're doing those long slow methods yeah. of, of of bread making um but then all the rituals that it, it, as a material is employed in um you know so the religious rituals but i you know i didn't have a a, 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 i wasn't raised religious in any in Mm -hmm. any particular way and i think there was a degree of um wanting to honor that because i can't speak for a community or a Mm -hmm. or a religion a religious community that i'm not really part of yeah Yeah, you know i know that most western societies are, are founded on kind of christian values essentially but whether you're practicing or not um, but nevertheless, I, I couldn't really lay claim to any of those. And so I ended up doing this performance in my family home uh, as the kind of final part of my degree mm-hmm. where I made, I, I wanted to kind of make as much as I could from scratch. So I made a bread oven out of um, cob, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, for listeners who haven't come across it before, it's like a building material made out of mud and sand and a bit of straw you kind of mash it together and you can use it to, as like render basically yeah. um and um so i made this kind of wire like chicken wire dome uh, and then 
clad it in newspaper and then and then cod uh, uh, cob cob yeah, yeah yeah so you know maybe four or five inches thick and then uh, and that was on a big stone slab uh, and cut a door in it and um, then fired it uh, and this the pro, the performance the sort of performance um took around two days to complete because um all the while people could come in and talk to me and talk mm. you know share stories about family and home and and the domestic environment and food and bread specifically and and so there was lots of conversations that went on around that um and then so that was predominantly the first day and then the second day i fired the oven and then and then um built the cooking fire in the oven mm. as well um, and made the bread in a kind of an unusual way where I kind of covered my body in the, all the ingredients. So I had to take off all my clothes, obviously, <laughs> which is, I think, around that time was a bit of a staple for any, um, you know, uh, performance, art? performance artist. <laughs> yeah, performing artist, uh, performance artist. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, each ingredient one at a time was just washed over my body. And I think that was part of in, in, in incorporating my, you know, corporeal mm. body into it. You know, the, literally the sk skin cells and mm. whatever other you know came, came off into the flour and the water um as well as you know imbuing it with the the significance of the setting of my family yeah. house and um and the kitchen it was on the kitchen floor um so i made this dough on the floor and then baked it in the oven and the bread itself actually failed quite miserably <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, that would I, be part of the performance. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I think I, I one of the the sort of distinguishing features of the dough making process was I allow I put the dough on my stomach, lay down for like two hours, yeah, for it and waited for it to rise on my stomach. So there was this kind of like you know specter i guess of sort of pregnancy i guess I know, <laughs> but you but know, you know like, like dough is like flesh though yeah, as well yeah, like yeah. that's really quite significant yeah. and it grows like flesh as well yeah. it feels like flesh. absolutely and and yeah. also the 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 yeast ferments at the same temperature as your body you yeah. know it's that you know crucial window of around 36 37 degrees um so that was that, i mean there was actually a, it was more of a kind of pragmatic um, thing as well <laughs> I didn't want to leave it on a cold floor so I just put it on my body um, and yeah ended up just lying there for two hours doing this thing and then baked it and so you know there's this kind of all this imagery that was that was kind of not thrust down your throat but was just kind of alluded to and you know if people were watching then it might you know it might it might come to the surface for them and yeah. and then also the failure of the bread you know I kind of thought of it as this kind of you know I was a bit of a failed parent in that situation <laughs> <laughs> After um, all that nurturing, yeah, and yeah, then, and then yeah. they just go off and it doesn't work, oh, whatever. <laughs> doesn't do what you want it to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the start of it. Yeah. Um, and I've I've revisited it several times uh, over the years in various capacities. Um, there was a kind of stepping stone uh, between that and then doing a performance at um, uh, Desert Festival a couple of years ago. Um, where I sort of created this space that was had again it was a it was a kind of assemblage of um, sort of domestic icons picture frames and a bed and stuff mm -hmm. um, and would invite people in to talk about their home and their family and and um, their upbringing and how they how they could consider the I idea of home and it was it was sort of broken down into component parts and each part of um how we were talking about homes we talked about kind of comfort and support and safety but also the difficult bits and the fundamentals of you know what would what that sense would mm -hmm. of home would uh, would be made up from and and each time we would talk about one of those things an ingredient in bread in the bread would have been assigned that significance within okay um, and we were actually making a kind of, um, you know, westernized form of damper. It was more like a kind of big scone, I guess, you know, okay, yeah. self-raising flour and butter and salt and water. And, um, and then towards the end of the piece, I'd invite people to have the um, dough kneaded on their back. Yeah. So, again, there was this kind of sense of their corporeal mm -hmm. essence in in the bread. And then I had an oven set up outside that was somewhat more successful than that. <laughs> 
um, other ones <laughs> where people could sit and, and they would be given a cup of tea and they could sit and, they could and eat the bread and as eat well? the bread. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you eat the first bread you did? No, you couldn't eat it. Uh, no, it no. wasn't. It was yeah. It wasn't really in a state where I could eat it. Oh. I think I I think I um, committed it to the ground in yeah. my family garden. <laughs> <laughs> but the second um, the second art performance. Yeah. So there was one in between that where it was this idea, but in a kind of mini form. Mm -hmm. There was it was like less it was less expanded on, but it was that moment where I began to invite people to have their body put into the bread. So, you know, kneading the dough on their back. Mm. And I and I think there's you know, there's a number of different experiences in there as well. Like you <clears throat> add um th as well as including the skin cells from their back, you know, there's this kind of tender no you know moment in quite intimate mm. moment without it being sexual in any way you know it was, it was a moment where you know i could offer a bit of care and a bit of mm. comfort and and something to these you know to, to strangers essentially there were a few familiar faces but it was largely strangers and this was about 20 it would take about 20 minutes and i was doing it for about seven or eight hours okay. so it was just a constant stream of people for a really long time yeah it was quite exhausting <laughs> <laughs> but it but it was um it was really beautiful because yeah. some of the stuff that people were willing to share with me mm -hmm. um was remarkable and i think it was you know it was set set up in such a way that it was immediately comfortable i mm -hmm. think for people and and it was quite ob obscure yeah. i think for a lot of people were confronted but not in a kind of affronted way there was a oh this is interesting but yeah and so you know that 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 conversation around home and domestic space has mm -hmm. i think has actually also been part of my artistic practice for a long a long time either explicitly or kind of implicitly as well and last year uh towards the end of last year i did a, a, a mini residency in a space that's called the pantry and in, in watch this space it's the small exhibition area just off the kitchen okay it's not the main gallery, yeah, but it's I was, a kind of... I was reading that and trying to work out where that space was. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just like a three by three metre square room. Okay. It's just got a, you know, plain grey mm -hmm. painted floor and it's an awesome kind of neutral space in many respects to have. Um, and what I began to do there was just kind of start exploring using flour in a, in a more kind of sculptural way. So rather than it, it, turning it solely into bread... Um, just kind of different, creating different rituals around flour, spreading it on the ground and figuring out kind of the imagery a mm. bit, using it as a as a kind of printing material as well. But rather than using the flour to print, like laying the flour out, imprinting my body onto it and pulling it away and leaving the imprint yeah. of my... I could um, send you some photos yeah, actually. Yeah, that of, would be of, great. Of we could post them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think part of that as well as I was looking into a bit more into the history of bread and a history of flour in particular and kind of in in this place in the middle of Australia mm. a colonized country it was very much there was, a, there was a lot loaded into it for me about this kind of layering of of kind of western culture over a, a, you know a, a very strong existent culture and potentially the sort of problems around that and the um but also, I, you know, I don't want to shy away from that. I want to try and yeah. confront that history and that past and, and, and identifying flour as kind of a, a component of the colonial project, really. Yeah, you know, it is, it is um, interesting, isn't it? Because dampers are really um, important food for Aboriginal people. And mm. yet, you know, scones are such a sort of a... a, a British. A, a British <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. There's these two things which are so similar and yet... Um, they both kind of embody both cultures in, mm. in different ways. Yeah, so yeah. I think flowers are really interesting medium to explore that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, and and just the whiteness of it, yeah. you know, and 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 how that's just so it's just so apt for you know a white person doing some <laughs> doing some um, arts practice in a you know in a non-white country or co or context and yeah i still haven't entirely got my my head around you it sure? but there's there's mm. a number of kind of questions and considerations that i think i'm uh, a kind of drum you mm. know sort of surfacing as i go forwards and um you know hopefully i'll have something in the next year or so okay. that i might be able to exhibit and i did i did a little artist talk and actually left part of what i'd been playing with in this in the 
in the space while while it was okay. while it was there and it was essentially just 12 kilos of flour that had just been pressed down into a circle in a kind of mandala but like a white man's mandala <laughs> you know um <laughs> and i pressed it down with my feet so it was this big disc of flour yeah. um and uh, you know it was an opportunity for for me to try and excavate some of the talking to people was mm. the opportunity for me to excavate some of these ideas that had been surfacing and and it was nice to be able to show people kind of where I'd arrived at and look at the kind of the the, the tactile qualities mm. of, of of flowers and materials yeah. it's very soft it it's is, very comforting yeah and yeah. It, it is one of the foods where you actually have to um interact with it within a sort of a, you know a sensory way like yeah you know flour needs to be kneaded even if you're making pastry you still have to knead it and there's yeah. not many foods where you actually really have to get your hands in there because mm. you i mean you could knead bread in a bread maker and if we have time we can talk about bread makers but mm. you know traditionally you are kneading bread with yeah. your hands and you are putting some of your your energy and and there is that real sensual yeah um you know, um, process and, and yeah. bread, good bread making doesn't include that. Absolutely. And again, going back to some of the previous performance work that I've done where I've been kneading dough on people's backs, I think that's part of it is mm. to try and give people an experience of, 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 of a familiar food stuff, but experiencing it in a very unfamiliar yeah. way. And, and again, that's probably something that I'll explore more because I, because I, I, I think it's great. I like that, like sort of trading that line between kind of familiarity and disgust. And, <laughs> you know, I don't want to like, I don't, I don't want it to be like sickening, but just like for people to go, huh? yeah. you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not interested in the idea of making people want to throw up <laughs> or anything, but I just, you know, it just makes you question kind of our sort of notions of hygiene and, mm. and sanitization and stuff like that you know mm. when you're sort of beginning to use an un, unusual body part to yeah. to prepare food um you know your feet or your your yeah. elbows or your thighs or whatever yeah. you know do you know i used i used to work with someone who grew up in the, in the wheat fields in mm. um in new south wales and he used to say whenever he got flour you know he could always uh taste the mouse shit in the flour. <laughs> it's quite distinct smell. <laughs> and he said, and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I, I can taste it. So you know, flour is can be many things. I suppose it's the yeah. point I'm trying to make. Yeah, so, right. And right. it can be disgusting to some people. And well, there's that thing. There's like <laughs> FDA guidelines or whatever the equivalent of FDA is in in Australia, where there's like permissible quantities of like insect wings yeah. for example in you know a kilo of jam or you know oh. two kilos of flour and it's like six pieces per 100 grams or something yeah. and it makes and I think you wonder there is poo yeah. in there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I've ne- i wasn't able to sort of smell it in the way right. that he could but yeah um, that still doesn't usually stop me though um, i'm really good at getting rid of the mouse poo now before i make bread out yeah of my just bread that's, bowl that's why they ask you to sift it isn't it <laughs> Um, do you make bread at home on a regular basis? Not on a rate, not so much anymore. Um, it's been a while since I've had um, a cut. It's essentially probably a lifestyle thing. Like mm-hmm. running the shop means that I don't have a heap of time to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, 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 you know, it makes me a bit sad because I did have a lot of time to do that kind of yeah. stuff. And it's, um, I think just running a business just consumes a lot of your time um in in any context but um and i and i do when i first arrived in australia at the end of 2015 i did begin to uh, a sourdough starter culture Mm -hmm. but it i found it was it was much more much harder to manage than i found in the uk and i think it's purely just because of the temperature the ambient temperature is up that bit higher so the 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 you know natural yeast just ferment that bit quicker so um finding a balance of sort of fridge time or if you have a cooler space or whatever or just being at being around in enough to be able to feed it enough yeah. times in the yeah. day in order to you know managing that feed you know that feeding process yeah. of, the, of the starter um correctly i think it's something that I, I would just need to pick up again i've made a I've made a fair bit of yeasted bread and i've made sweet um some sweet loaves with you know with with yeast and, mm. and stuff but not not quite revisit revisited the sourdough in the same way but yeah. every time i do you know the 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 time i've spent making bread before that just it all comes flooding back you know and that the the you know the haptic 
sort of quality of, of dough. It just feels very familiar. Yeah. Kneading stuff, just the action of it just feels very familiar. It's like, you know, anything that you do on a regular basis, you kind of sort of do it without thinking and you get into this rhythm and, you know, especially being in Alice, I always build up a bit of a sweat and stuff. So I'm like, yep, that's just what's going into the bread. That's the seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I've actually got my sourdough there. I've yeah. um, I bought for you. Do, can you. do you want to have a smell of it? Yeah, Let me yeah. know if it's okay. Yeah. Um, how long's it? How long have you had it going? I can't remember. Years and years. Oh right. Sourdough. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm oh, well. I'm not a great gardener, and I'm not. And similarly, I don't really look after my sourdough very well. So that's I'm starting to build it up at the moment. Um, and the yeah. way I build it up is to, I, I pour off all the, the that black liquid yeah. that that's on the top. <laughs> yeah. And then I take out just 100 grams of it. And yeah. so over the next couple of days, I'll start feeding it like 50 grams flour, 50 grams water. Mm. And then 100 grams flour, 100 grams water, 200 grams flour. 200 yeah. And then so you, you tip it all it out again. Yeah. yeah. And then once it really starts to, to bubble, um, I, I know it's it's time to use it. But look, yeah. that, I might not have used that for three months. So yeah, right. I'm That's the amazing thing about it. It just stays alive. It you does know, stay It's alive. quite hard to yeah. kill. And, you know, that process that you just described yeah. is, yeah, is very much the uh, the way to keep to, to kind of reinvigorate it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it, it smells like it's got that sour that smell. smell. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that means that I can you can tell it's still alive. Yeah. But it also has that smell of like freshly mixed water and and, yeah. and flour in it as well. So you can tell it's still in that early. It's early the early stages, stages yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I often um, I've still got like little bits of frozen sourdough in the yeah. fridge, like rice sourdough and white sourdough, just yeah. because I'm. Um, once I, I smashed my whole sourdough, oh, and it's, no. you, you know, if you if you've got a, your sourdough in it, yeah, like in a, in a it was a ceramic um, jar, and the whole thing smashed, and I lost it, and I'd had it for years and yeah. years. So I would encourage anybody out there if you love your sourdough, you just always freeze a little bit of it, and that's yeah. actually from the um, from the frozen from the frozen yeah, one well. that I brought back to life. Yeah. yeah, I've I've frozen it before as well. I went away, um, I think for. I don't know how long I was away, four months or so, four mm-hmm. or five months and froze, you know, froze a bunch of it and yeah, brought it back to life. Absolutely fine. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's good like that. But it is true. Like you, um, I mean, I find sourdough and bread generally is quite different in this environment mm. than say if I'm cooking it on the East Coast. And yeah. I can imagine if you were ma- baking bread in Europe as well, mm. like the environment just really, you know, you really have to adjust your bread baking techniques accordingly. Yeah, yeah, humidity I think yep. is probably the biggest one um, here because, and yeah, temperature and humidity yep. as well. It's yeah, it's quite a damp place where I live in Devon in the UK, so, and, so and it must ri- rise really well. Except you don't have the heat. Yeah, yeah, although that's okay. I actually would often mix a loaf up and then just put the dough in the fridge and leave it for like yeah. two days. Let it do like a really slow slow, fermentation and take it out for maybe six hours before I was going to bake it. Yeah. So it would then have a bit of time to warm up and actually get a bit more lively. But it gives a chance for the really slow formation of that kind of gluten in there. And Mm. it would also allow me to bake it at a more a a time that was more appropriate for me. So I could just, you know, do it and go off and be at work or whatever. Yeah. Whatever I was doing then and and then come back to it. But um, it is quite flexible flexible i think mm. i think bread making i mean some people think it's this sort of like it's this really sort of fragile mm. process but it's it's not i think it's quite robust yeah um, absolutely i guess people have this sense that you have to get up super early and do it but that's only because you know people want to go to buy bread they want to buy the uh, bread early yeah so the bake yeah, yeah so the bakers have to bake yeah. from midnight till whatever 7 a.m and, and whereas so if I, we were all happy to wait till 10 o'clock for yeah. our bread at the bakery you know neil and mel could probably sleep in a little bit more yeah <laughs> Um. I um I was <laughs> I once uh um well I, I'd finished my masters I'd been running a, a cafe for about a year and then I kind of had a bit of an existential freak out and went away traveling for a few months and then came back and in an attempt to kind of figure out what I wanted to do next I got in touch with this um, bakery that had been supplying an, o- an older cafe that I'd worked for yeah. and I'd kind of formed a reasonably good relationship with them. Um, couple of the guys that work there so I called them up and was like hey do you do you know any training and um you know bread making workshops and they're like yeah actually you can come and stay with us for a few days um I'll I'll just contextualize it a bit though the company is called the common loaf bakery and um it's a 
it was it was actually like part of quite a hectic religious commune. <laughs> <laughs> and so what this commune kind of tended to do was like pick up these people who'd kind of been a bit downtrodden and whatever and give them a place to be. And, you yeah. know, actually they did, you know, they did great things in that respect, but they were very, very evangelical about their religion. And it's kind of an old form of Christianity that's not quite Judaism, but still sort of follows the Old Testament. Oh, I, okay. I, I never quite understood it, but they would all change their names when they arrived there. But anyway, I ended up, when I ended up going and staying there for about four or five days. And uh, as well as starting work at midnight and finishing at midday, you'd have maybe like a bit of a break for breakfast, but you'd, you'd get up in the middle of the night and do work. I was constantly having to fight off people trying to convert me to the religion <laughs> as well. So it was this really weird experience that I have where I was making some of the most amazing sourdough yeah. bread I've ever encountered out of all these amazing grains, spelt and ancient grains oh. and whatever, and drinking this amazing tea that they yeah. used to have and, you know, all these amazing biscuits and everything. And yet I kind of had to be part of this weird religious practice where I'd get up and I'd go to these like singing sessions. Oh, so you had to the... go there as well. You had to participate. Wow. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'd sit there and observe. I mean, I was pretty careful. I yeah. didn't I didn't want to make any promises. <laughs> <laughs> but there was it was a very strange experience. And weirdly, the, the most Im evangelical people were the, the actual yeah. the, the, the younger people who were there, you know, some people mm. in their 20s. Whereas the older people were a bit more kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, we'll just, we'll talk about it, but we don't expect you to do anything. Whereas the young guys were like, no, you should do this. You shouldn't live a life of sin. If you had a girlfriend, you've sinned. Um, it was, wow. it was very strange and intense. Like it was, it was cultish and it's, um, in its manifestation. But, so you um, didn't have to sell your soul to learn how to bake bread. Didn't have to sell my soul, <laughs> but um, I did get a lot of knowledge. And, 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 and one of the key processes that I, that I began to understand was about percentages, using percent, breaking bread down into percentages. So, you know, you use X percent water, X percent flour, X percent okay. sourdough and, and X percent salt. So you can actually scale bread um, the bread making process up and down as you mm. please you know you just and there's uh, no you, loss is there you, it's yeah just the same you just thing. Yeah. you just yeah you understand that so that was pretty crucial and then also keep using different types of sourdough starter for different mm -hmm. effects so you know i learned that rye rye flour starter is a very you can use it in any bread okay. you can use a rye flour to that. make a white loaf but it's just much more stable as a as a um, as a as a starter, whereas if you use white flour, it's actually quite volatile and and can be really kind of unpredictable. Whereas mm -hmm. rye is a bit more kind of slow moving oh, and wow. just kind of and it sort of makes going. sense, doesn't it? Yeah. rye is kind of heavy and yeah, stable just a bit, as well. Yeah. But you yeah. can use it, and you I could didn't know that you could all. use a yeah. rye sourdough starter to yeah. make a white bread loaf. It yeah. would have that kind of earthy rye quality oh. about it, but you know, and there would be bits of the grain in there, but it oh, would, wow. but it That's would be, know, yeah. Because I mean, I've got my rice starter, but I don't, I just haven't wanted to make rye bread for a long time. Yeah. And I've been like, oh, what do I do with it? But just um, go and get a really good high quality organic white flour and give and it an experiment. Yeah, I'll, I'd I'll suggest that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite breads that I make, which is from this book, The Handmade Loaf, is yeah. um, like, it's a white sourdough, but he just grates a potato through it. Whoa. Okay. I know, and it just gives it this different quality to yeah. it. It's hard to actually explain. And anybody out there baking bread, it's a really good thing to do. But it just kind of gives it a little bit of moisture. And then, mm. I don't know, it just makes it really lovely and crunchy. Yeah, right. As well. Yeah. yeah. And so also, here's this book, which is by Dan Leopard. He does a lot. It's, oh, it's yeah. The, he's it's a, like he's the a no -need. San Francisco sourdough oh, no, he's person English. is, he? is no, he? Oh, okay. he was English he was on some cooking show before he did Dan that Leopard. yeah oh, the name rings yeah up. but he was on some cooking shows right um, but yeah the San Francisco Baking School is a whole nother well, right, yeah. radio show isn't it I yeah yeah I've <laughs> always wanted to have you ever been there no no, uh, no I spent a bit of time in the States but it was kind of prior to my you know current fascination with food and, yeah. and so yeah I didn't really go on that kind of exploration there but there's a really good but also really really surreal but very consistent um sourdough recipe that you can find on youtube and it's just called one one two three sourdough yeah. and i think that's a, a kind of rule of thumb for the recipe as well i think it's like one cup of sourdough starter two cups of water three cups of flour okay i think that's the kind of thing but yeah. it's this american person has made this 12 or 15 minute video 
and they've got this weird like new age music going on in the background and they've some for some reason put their voice through some kind of reverb so it's this weird again i don't know what it is about bread but it seems to just kind of bring about the cultish kind of behavior or whatever <laughs> again, bread it, and religion yeah, it's, it's like, just there and now when you add the sourdough you know it's like I'm gonna go and really to it. It's I'm very, do it this it's worth yeah. a watch, but it's actually a really, really good and consistent sourdough recipe okay. as well. If you, you know, if, if anyone can get through the uh, if reverb, you can get through the weirdness. Of it. Well, oh, look, I think we've run out of time, oh, yeah. and I really want to play that song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, you go um, ahead. So, do you want to talk about this song that we're going to finish yeah, the um, show with? I mean, it's it's not really got any specific attachment to bread. It's by a bat, American band called Menomina. Um, off their 2010 album Minds and it's called Oh Pretty Boy You Are So Pretty <laughs> I don't even why that song title doesn't really reflect what the, how the song goes either but I, it just it was a song that I listened to around the time you know the, the, the sort of beginnings of this kind of bread and art crossover thing um, you know I'd, I'd not long lost my mum and um, a lot of the autobiographical st- stuff within my practice was kind of I guess kick-started by a little bit of that and a little bit about being kind of reflective about her life and her influence on me. Um, and it's just it's just kind of stuck with me for a really long time. It's one of those minds, the album that it's from, is actually one of those albums that more or less every time I can just listen to it all the way through and just really enjoy it every single time and actually just listen to the album end to end. Um, that, uh, that's a lost art is creating that kind of narrative journey with with albums these days but i think this is one a, a recent <laughs> example relatively recent example of um you know being able to still do that and so this song just is a highlight of the album for me it's kind of slightly melancholic but it's slightly um celebratory as well um and uh yeah i th- i feel like the, the the trajectory of the song just uh, yeah it it yeah i've I, love it and <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it moves me every single time i listen to it so so it's called oh pretty boy you're such a big boy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks johnny that's, that's, that's great i'm yeah, really so inspired to continue feeding my sad Do sourdough it. there yeah. um i've actually got a, a wood-fired oven at oh, home wow. as well so i've never actually tried baking bread in it yet make so pizza in it that's oh, the, the best pizza's thing. good i've yeah, done yeah, pizza yeah. and sourdough pizza have you ever tried sourdough pizza i've uh, tried pizza. sourdough stolen i've tried sourdough pizza oh, yeah okay, but yeah, cool. for not for a long time it hasn't occurred to me to make yeah. it for a long time so yeah you know, my favorite, I oh know we should stop this show, <laughs> but my favorite pizza topping at the moment is just potato. Wow. Just, you know, sliced in a mandolin so it's nice and fine. Yeah. And then I rinse it. And then I put a bit of Parmesan cheese, olive oil, salt and pepper, yeah. maybe some rosemary. It is the best. That's good. It's simple. but yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is that you taste the bread and you taste the potatoes. So. Starch and carbs. Um, kitchen, know. yeah. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to Kitchen Radio. Um, tune in next week for a very special International Women's Day um, episode of Kitchen Radio, but we'll be starting at 4pm next week. Good evening.